audio jungle. What's it like being you today? And uh, my guest today is Ray Bonnie. Ray, what a whirlwind, what a change we've been going through. Ray, what does it feel like being you today? Well, thanks for asking, Suzanne. For me, I, I feel incredibly grateful in this ever-changing world. I have healthy children, a home and work, so I feel that that makes me luckier than many others uh, in our world. Now, that's really a powerful question when uh, you ask it. I mean, I know we were talking the other week and you said, oh, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm good because that's your normal reaction. It's just uh, that uh, go-to reaction. And then by saying, what does it feel like being you today? It really makes you stop and think and analyse, yeah, what space am I in? And, uh, you know, we're all in different spaces at the moment with the ever-changing events. Exactly. It's in during this time of absolutely extraordinary change where many freedoms are being denied and daily activities are banned that we take for granted and isolation is now starting to become more and more of a reality uh, for many. But it's a, a life-saving necessity and many people are maybe having difficulty coming to terms with uh, their emotions and becoming familiar with the process of grief at this time may be really useful in helping make sense of yours and many others out of character behavior. So everybody's experiencing some kind of loss during this time, whether it's you know the tangible loss of a job or security and the loss of personal freedoms, even the loss of friends and loved ones that we can't touch anymore. We can't see them regularly, uh, thank goodness for Zoom and many other technologies, but the, lo the loss of that mental and physical um, connection uh, really doesn't suit the human condition very well. That's it, because stage three restrictions are now in force and we're feeling a further impact on our lives. I mean, we thought, well, we know stage three is coming in, but to wake up and know, wow, they're in, oh, this is the change, I can't do this. So how can we manage our emotions during this time? Well, there's a model that I use a lot, Suzanne, and this has been using for many, many years because it's been around since 1969 and that was when I was one year old. Uh, but the five stages of grief, grief is a theory that was developed by a psychiatrist called Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. It's a really useful model to help break down the way in which we deal with the feeling of loss and how it may relate to how um, ourselves and others are feeling during this incredibly um, difficult period. And you know, we're taking each day as it comes, Suzanne. You just mentioned stage three restrictions coming in. Um, and the way we relate to stage three restrictions is usually around water, not around our personal freedoms. Yes, so, <laughs> so the first stage in this, this model, in the grief and loss model, is denial. And many of us can relate to uh, having already probably been through the denial period and even remember with some embarrassment just a few weeks ago, our ignorance around uh, the coronavirus and the denial of of the potential crisis because we've never faced a situation like this before. So it's really normal that people may not have been able to even grasp the enormity of the situation and use denial as a coping mechanism um, because in managing our emotions through denial, it actually allows us time to adjust to really distressing situations like COVID-19. Um, but however, staying in this stage of denial can really interfere with our ability to be resilient and manage challenges. 
And it's when you listen to the media and that it's like, you know, things are going to get worse and it's like, oh, my gosh, you wake up of a day and, you know, you're trying to be positive, okay, we're going to get along with it, but it's that unknown, what is worse? Well, that's right, but we don't understand our actual resilience and our ability to adapt and to be agile because we've already it's already been worst. <laughs> so if somebody could have told you on 30 December that this would be, you know, this would be um, befalling us by now, we would go, wow, we just cannot even imagine how that will happen or we can't even imagine how we'll adapt. But we already have because right now many of us are working from home, for example, nobody would have ever imagined we'd be able to do that almost overnight. <laughs> and the Prime Minister said, I remember, that um, you know, for many people, for most of us, 2020 will be the worst year of our lives. And you're thinking, hang on, we're only into March. We've got a long <laughs> way to go. Well, uh, conversely, when we look at it holistically, it can also be the best year of our life as well, depending on how we, we manage and depending on how we're grateful for the things we may necessarily not have had access to, you know, now we're in enforced isolation with family, many of us, and uh, that could be a blessing. And that's another thing when I've been uh, doing the podcasts and talking to different people from their home offices, there's that thread that's coming through that they are doing things that they didn't have time for before and spending more time with their family and loved ones. Yes, exactly. So I think it's it's important that we do recognise our resilience and recognise our ability to adapt and cope because we are. But moving through these stages, Suzanne, it's really interesting, you know, that the, the denial one that we just spoke about and the next stage, many of us are in it right now and it's the anger stage. How that's been projected uh, typically onto our governments and countries of origin of, of the coronavirus. But when humans are being denied freedom and have control taken away, which is exactly what's happening with us at the moment, anger is a really natural emotional response. And uh, as I said, many of us are in this stage right now. And it's um, as life is changing rapidly in really short spaces of time, people are starting to speak out in anger and it's a natural reaction and part of the process and it will pass because anger requires a lot of energy and therefore can't be sustained for long periods of time. So it's important to recognise that it is perfectly normal to be angry and not to judge yourself and others too harshly. Be patient, be kind, be understanding with yourself and others as these moments will pass. On the other hand, it's you know, we can't accept things like violence and uh, and when anger gets to that stage where people's safety is an issue, that's a time for us to be able to access other um, levels of support. Mm, because, uh, you know, it's not only our own emotions that we're dealing with, it's those around us as well and now our loved ones that when we're in isolation, uh, you know, there's not, not many places to run. No, no. So it's important we have that transparency and understanding for each other to say, hey, you know, I've just noticed that your behaviour is a little bit out of character. How are you feeling? What does it feel like being you right now is a good one. And it might be, say, sometimes the first time that, uh, you know, people have sat down and asked each other about their feelings because we have been too busy. Oh, we're not now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not going anywhere. We, we do have time. Now, watching people's faces and watching people, how they're reacting, it's important that we don't react back, that we respond. 
there's a difference between a reaction and a response. So in this time where people might be feeling irritated and frightened, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people can't disclose that they're absolutely scared out of their wits and, you know, we're stoic and, you know, we've got to turn up for work every day in our new home offices and, and expect to be functioning and achieving at the same levels. Uh, so that can be really scary when people still are trying to adapt to this new way of life. Just unpack a bit more for the people that are having those conversations. You just said, um, what would be some tips to actually sit down and have that uh, D&M about how you're feeling and, you know, you're out of character um, to actually so the person doesn't just jump and walk off? Well, I think people can uh, do a little bit of preparatory uh, work on this, Suzanne. Things like having family values around this time is terribly important that we have uh, values to anchor ourselves to. So get yourself a big piece of butcher's paper or in uh, the example that I used with one of my clients last night when he said, well, I can't do that. I said, we'll find a lot of small pieces of paper and stick them together. And, you know, what are the values of our family this time? What do we anchor ourselves to? And it could be things like listening, caring, uh, respect and what respect means in your family. So when those times come where everyone's a little bit fractious and irritated and frayed, we can look at those values that are on our wall and say, okay, well, listening is one of our values. Let's all sit down and listen. That uh, values proposition too has come out as well with uh, businesses in guiding their way forward for this is just go back to the blueprint, go back to the values. And yes. uh, because we could just, you know, get all caught up, yet it's going back to basics. Yeah, absolutely. And remembering to have them visible because without them being visible in times where we're not thinking clearly and rationally, uh, we do need that anger uh, to be able to hold on to, to get through that moment without reacting. Mm -hmm. So be patient, be kind and understanding with yourself and others as these moments will pass as we adapt more comfortably to, to new ways of living and new ways of managing. Ray, so you've spoken about anger. The next stage is is bargaining and COVID-19 commandeered our lives almost overnight and it's really difficult to imagine that just weeks ago we were effortlessly buying toilet paper, socialising, touching, planning holidays and moving about freely and, and in the bargaining stage of grief we start toying with the idea of what if and, and make deals and promises with ourselves about things we'd do if life could just return to normal and we can feel really animated and hopeful during this bargaining stage and get a little bit excited excited about making plans when it's all over and, and taking a rest from the gravity and unknown quantity of the situation. But it's not possible to change the situation at this stage for what we can see and um, we're in it, you know, we're all in it together. Um, but, you know, in this stage we really need to be relying on the advice of health professionals our government um, and focus on our own patience um, and gratitude. Because it's out of our control. We don't know when it's going to finish, do we? Nope. No, no one does. <laughs> oh, we Simply. can just do the right thing, yes. And, yeah. uh, of course, you know, it's, it's that emotion that uh, you know, the depression can also hit as well. 
Well, that's stage four, Suzanne, is depression after we've sort of been through the, you know, coming down from the heightened feelings of the anger and bargaining stage can leave us feeling unexpectedly really sad and dejected. And this is a sign of moving into that depression stage. Uh, And the constantly reverberating impact of COVID-19 is incredibly overwhelming for people. There's so much media out there, you know, every day, changes and the world is literally making this up as they go along um but you know for people who most of us will be isolated at home for the foreseeable future and during this stage can be tempting to withdraw completely and want to block out the reality of life through things like sleep and or self-medication when feelings of helplessness and hopelessness become too much to bear So it's really important during this stage that we resist abandoning our daily plans and routines um, and allow ourselves the permission to to be sad for very good reason. I was just thinking then when you said uh, routine uh, that uh, you might wake up and uh, you've done a few things and one day seems to go into another, you're thinking, oh, is it too early to reach for that glass of wine? Yes, probably in this situation. (laughs) The answer is probably already yes. And for me, Suzanne, the first thing I do in my new daily routine is make my bed because it gives me a sense of completing a first task and also it seals off that piece of my day where sleep is finished and my day has commenced. So it it might seem a little bit um, nitpicky to have these very prescriptive Um, programs for ourselves at the moment but they're terribly important in keeping us safe and I know some people who are planning their day minute by minute so they've always got something to go to and it's a safety thing because you know when when you uh, abandon your daily routine and plan uh, it can make you feel really really uh, discombobulated and not having those anchor points to get you to the next stage of the day. And that's really important too because you and I, we've worked from home before, yet those that have got into the office or gone into work and that's their identity, that's their routine, suddenly find themselves working at home and it's like, oh, wow, you know, this is great. I could do this, I could do that. But it then becomes the novelty starts to wear off and you don't uh, make your bed or you don't uh, get dressed, you just sort of lounge around. And that's where that's important for me too is to make sure that, you know, you make your bed, you shower, you get dressed because this is the work day as opposed to the yes. weekend. Yeah. And look, we also have to work out what works for us as well, what makes us comfortable. Uh, I was speaking to somebody yesterday who doesn't wear work attire, they wear their active wear. So every hour they get up and they do some exercise. Um, so that's how they're managing. So work out what um, works for you and also get it visible, get your program visible before you go to sleep at night so you've got something to rise to the next day. It's like monkey bars jumping up and grabbing them. You've got something to grab hold of because, you know, sometimes when we wake up, especially during these times, we can feel, you know, especially during the depression stage, feel really, really sad and feel we don't have purpose and don't have objective uh, 
So, and work is also a wonderful antidote for feeling depressed as it gives us purpose and meaning. Um, so now is the time for, you know, also off, off, offering up empathy and understanding um, to, to people given that we're all in this together. Now, of course, the sad thing is so many people have lost their job and lost, once again, everything that comes with that purpose. So they've got the added worry um, of being isolated and thinking, well, what am I going to do next? What can they do if there's no work there? I think... Uh... Arming ourselves with all of the information is really useful. And uh, here in Australia, uh, we have quite a bit of information, especially around small business. And, you know, Australia is made up, um, our workforce is made up predominantly of small to medium business. And that's a lot of sole traders um, who operate in this gig economy. And you can get uh, in touch with some, in fact, we can put some resources at the end of this podcast, Suzanne, around to Kate Carnell, who is um, the CEO of the, and she's a small business ombudsman, and she's putting out almost daily videos around how people can access help um, to help them through financially during this really difficult time. Oh, there's, and that's the good thing too, is that uh, while you know the media can be quite overwhelming, there's also these resources, and everyone seems to be in it together, which is encouraging. And uh, you know, if you can sit and go through it, it's there's a lot of help there, as you just said. Now, the final stage of the grief cycle. Well, the final stage is acceptance, and the stage of acceptance doesn't necessarily indicate the completion of the journey. Um, it's more like we now understand and accept the situation as it is. And a lot of people are there already, uh, but it's unlikely we're going to feel very happy about what's been lost and compromised and may even harbour some resentment for the experience. But it's it's really normal for the stages of grief to emerge um, multiple times as well. So once we reach this acceptance that we understand what's going on, we've you know developed plans, we've developed new ways of managing and living, then all of those different stages can re-emerge in order, out of order. So anger will come back, sadness will come back, um, denial will come back. So don't be alarmed when you feel these uh, experiences and also uh, see them in others as well. It's just a normal part of that cycle. Uh, but, you know, the, this moment is li in life is, is the new normal for now and it's a time where the power of understanding, kindness, care, collaboration, connectedness and patience is essential to our good health uh, and our well-being and most importantly our safety as well. Uh, I know that those uh, things that I just list listed are on my family values wall and that's to be, I'll repeat it, understanding because understanding each other is I don't know what it feels like being you but I'm understanding that that's and accepting that's what it's like. Being kind is being understanding and caring. We all need different levels of care and different types of care. Uh, my daughter likes her hair plaited and she's 25. That's the thing she likes. <laughs> but collaborating is is super. You know, when we're when we're in it together, we're collaborating, we're working out new and different ways, we're we're sharing our experiences. Like, what does it feel like being you today, or what do you, what did you do on your in your day in this new world? Um, and and patience. We've got plenty of time. Breathe. 
breathe. Mm. I like when you said this is our new normal. Yes, it's our brave and new world as we know it. <laughs> also, though, on the flip side, you know, we have touched on um, those that when it does get a little out of control, there are crisis helplines too. Absolutely. When you're worried about yourself and others and now also is a time where we're, we're physically not connected and we're using technology to be connected, whether it's through Zoom or Skype or FaceTime. It's really difficult to see what's going on for somebody because at the flick of a switch, we can say goodbye, great meeting, and then you don't know what happens next. But we can sense things through the tone of people's voice, uh, their posture, their turning up for meetings, uh, and that's a time to check in to say, hey, I just noticed you seemed a little bit flat. I just noticed something different about you. Uh, here's some resources that can help you. So things like Lifeline, uh, that's crisis support, which you can access on 131114. And we'll post that in the link uh, later as well. Beyond Blue, you can phone on 1300 Three, six, and also suicide callback service is 1300 659 467 and triple zero. You know, that's emergency services there for a reason. Ray Bonnie, it's always great talking to you. Thanks for having me, Suzanne.